pastor Xavier Reese and the price of being a good soldier. Timothy was to commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. The picture is one of what? Warfare. Look at all that's at stake. One distracted soldier caused the city to be taken. One distracted husband destroys the whole house. One distracted wife destroys the whole family. Real simple, guys. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What does your faith mean to you? Well, Christianity is more than following a tradition. It goes beyond belonging to a religion, and it's also a lifelong commitment. That's the simple truths found in today's study from the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. Now, right now, it's time to join Pastor Xavier for today's Bible study. Let's listen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, and the message is entitled, Be a Devoted Soldier. Paul has used contrasting examples of unfaithful and faithful men who were entrusted the gospel in the previous section and is extending the positive example of Onesiphorus by various metaphors in order to show the multi-kind of commitment that is to come from a Christian minister now. The first metaphor Paul focused on is a faithfulness using the relationship of a son who was to continue in the family heritage, the gospel. Then notice that Paul moves on to the second metaphor in verse 3 and 4, that of a soldier, which focuses on devotion, telling us, Three things about Timothy being a soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me read these verses. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Here's the three things that he wants Timothy to know. First, in verse 3, Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. The cost. Secondly, beginning in verse 4, Timothy was to count himself to have no distractions. Commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. And then the latter part of verse 4, Timothy was to commit himself to the will of his commanding officer. As a soldier. Three important things for him to understand. Let's begin with the first here. Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. Listen to him. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. Paul is telling Timothy to share with him in the patient enduring of suffering for the gospel. Isn't that what he told him in chapter 1, verse 8? Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul's personal cost was to be chained, yet the word of God was not chained, chapter 2, verse 9. When Paul was arrested on Damascus Road, what did Jesus say? I must show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul declares why he endured all 
the sufferings. He says, for the sake of those chosen in Christ. For the elect. The Jew and the elect of the New Testament saint. Whatever the context is, that will determine it. So he endured what he endured for the sake of others, not himself. A soldier endures not for himself, but for others. Those he's defending, those that he, he believes are worth dying for. Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. This is the proclamation. Notice, secondly, Timothy was to commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. Listen to him carefully. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. The simple illustration is most instructive. Notice, the word entangles means to weave or to entwine so as to get involved with the idea of being impeded for effectiveness or victory. The word appears only this one time in Timothy, but there's one other time that it appears, and it's only two. The other one is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, and it has the same idea. Listen to it very careful because he's talking to Christians. He says, Peter declares that if a person escapes the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they, here's the word, again entangle themselves in them and are overcome, the latter end is worse than the first. How I have seen many Christians be delivered from drugs, from sexual promiscuity, from whatever it is. And God has done an incredible work in their life. And they begin to mess with certain things all over again, or different things. And they are brought into captivity and destruction. And their latter end is worse than the first. It's a warning to the Christian. You do not warn non-believers. They're dead. You warn people who are alive, the Christian. You evangelize the non-believer. You warn the believer. So when people want to say that this applies to non-believers or people who are never born again, I would caution you to take that liberal stand. It's a warning to the Christian who can entangle himself again because he still has sin nature. A very strong warning. It impedes your efficiency. It trips you up. The picture is of a soldier whose weapon is entangled or trapped in his cloak unable to defend himself and defeat the enemy. Now, if you were a soldier, and if you've been in combat, you know that the worst thing that can happen is if you're entangled, the enemy's coming, you can't get to your weapon, or you just can't somehow reach for whatever it is. The affairs of this life are impediments for the Christian soldier. Now, the text is not teaching that a Christian is not to be involved in the normal things of life, such as marriage and work and taking care of the house and buying a home or whatever it is. The text does teach that a Christian is one who is to be committed wholeheartedly and single-mindedly as to his understanding to the priorities of his life. Here's the priorities. Ready? The kingdom of God. You have responsibilities, and so do I. But your priorities and mine are to be the kingdom of God. 
And when you allow those priorities to slip, you begin to slip. You have passion for the Lord. You're born again. You are on fire. You can't believe what God has done. He's restored your marriage. He's taken you out of the gutter. He's done this. He's done that. And then pretty soon, you start just saying, well, I'm doing bad. And you just know pretty soon you're not around the church anymore. Then you're not studying. Then you're not reading. Then you're not praying. Then you're just praying three times a day when you feed your face and no more time. And, and pretty soon, church is just something that is like a band-aid. It's something that just in case. And you've lost the cutting edge. You've been entangled. Your priorities are no longer the kingdom. But it's your kingdom. Your perspective. And it starts affecting every area of your life. Every person connected to your life. Now the text also teaches that any of the normal things of life can become entanglements to hinder me in the warfare. When my priorities are not right or when I get too absorbed in certain things that distract me from concentrating on the warfare. Nothing wrong with having a hobby. Nothing wrong with having a vacation. Nothing wrong with things in and of themselves, but those things always have the potential to pull us away, don't they? to demand more time of us than we really want to. And then pretty soon we think we can handle it, but then we've made the investment, and then we don't want to lose our investment, so we use that as a justification to become unfaithful to God and to begin to worship the thing rather than the priorities of the kingdom. That potential is in every one of us. In the 28 years that I have served the Lord and been ministering, I wish you could crawl into my mind and see how many people have felt that they have been shortchanged by God and having loved this present world, they have departed back into it and begin to live with people, begin to get involved with drugs again, begin to compromise here and there. And they're no longer on the cutting edge. They're no longer a devoted servant of Jesus Christ, a soldier of Jesus Christ at the cross. The city of Sardis, if you remember when we studied the seven churches, it represented the dead church. And it was besieged, despite its unimpregnable location of cliffs on the slope of Mount and the river mole around it. An enemy soldier saw a Sardinian soldier drop his helmet down the cliff and then go down that certain path and retrieve his helmet. Being entangled and distracted with the concern for his helmet, he revealed the weakness of the city and it was taken. Oh, how many Christians are, 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 are so enamored with their helmet that they reveal the weakness of their life to the enemy in so many different ways. They open themselves up for destruction. Look at all that's at stake. One distracted soldier caused the city to be taken. One distracted husband destroys the whole house. One distracted wife 
destroys the whole family. We are to put on the mind of Christ. Listen to Paul, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is what God expects of you and me. He will take no less. You understand what I'm saying? Because the potential's in you. Too many Christians playing games. No less than death. No less than the mind of Christ. No less than humbling yourself as a soldier of the cross. The enemy will come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he can only be defeated with the weapons provided for us and exemplified by Jesus Christ at his temptation. You remember what they were? Jesus was praying before his baptism. And as he was praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And when he went into the wilderness, he used the word of God. There are the weapons for our warfare. Prayer, the filling of the Spirit, and the word of God. No other weapons are given to you and me. None whatsoever. And Jesus defeated Satan. Prayer, filling of the Spirit, and the word of God. And when you go to battle, make sure you put your armor on. And by the way, don't run. There's no armor in the back. And if you're a husband and wife, you get back to back. You have a full armor. You find the temptation of Jesus in Luke 3 and 4. Now, the warfare is called a good fight, by the way. Do you think it a good fight or do you think it otherwise? Paul's ready to lose his head. And he says in chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Timothy was to commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. This is the vivid illustration. Soldiers focus. It's a harsh life. My son is in Hawaii. He's been there for about five days. He's doing some recon training right now, beach landings and for terrorists and all that. And I'm sure that they didn't spend the six, seven days at the Marriott. And now those recon dudes said, oh, I got some sand in my gun. They're there to defend you, to protect your liberty. They've committed their life to death. Should we do any less for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Notice thirdly, Timothy was to commit himself to please his commanding officer as a soldier. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Notice first here, the pleasing of the person who enlisted the soldier is a result of the individual's enduring hardship and not entangling himself in the affairs of civilian life. When he endures hardship and he doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of civilian life, he pleases the one who enlisted him. The will of the one who enlisted him is paramount here. He is the one who gives the orders, by the way. He is the one who has the experience and the wisdom and the plans. He is the one who has equipped and trained 
the soldier. He is the one who has the overall picture. The pleasing of the one who enlisted you is in view of enabling, is in view of devotion, is in view of enduring what may come, is in view of the commitment not to be distracted by anything so as to hinder the ability of you as a soldier, is in view of the victorious victories that will be won, and is in view that you are not killed or taken captive by the enemy, and it's in view of being a full-time soldier. This is the phrase right here. It appears no other place but here. A full-time soldier. Amazing. Notice, secondly, that the pleasing of this person who enlisted him as a soldier is in relationship to an oath. If you were a soldier, if you were served in the armed forces, you know that you went down to L.A. and you followed those lines and they told you to line up and they told you to raise your right hand and you took an oath. And after that oath, they followed you into a bus and you say bye-bye. You belong to Uncle Sam. Now, in that oath, you, you swore to defend the nation, to hold your post, to obey completely, to give your all in the warfare, to consider your fellow soldier, to never abandon your weapon, to not deflect to the enemy, and to die if necessary. We become Christians by taking an oath. We say we would never live the way we used to live. We say we would never be the persons that we were before. We took an oath before God. Notice thirdly, the pleasing of the person who enlisted him leads to a soldier's reward. There were various crowns in the days of Paul for generals. One of those crowns was awarded to a triumphant general, and it was made of laurel. There was another crown that was awarded to a general by the army which had been saved from siege or a shameful capitulation. There was still another crown that was worn by a general who celebrated a lesser triumph. And there was another crown with embattlements, ornaments, that was awarded for storming a wall. And finally, there was a crown of gold and ornaments and imitation of palisades was awarded to the soldier who first climbed the rampart of the enemy's camp. Various crowns were given. One of these days, many servants of God are going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what I want to hear. I don't just want to sneak in. <laughs> we please our commander and general Jesus Christ by knowing his will. Then by doing his will. And by doing it for the right reasons. We will be rewarded according to the motives of the heart. 1 Corinthians 3 12 through 15 speaks of that wood, hay, and stubble that will be burned up at the beam of seat of Christ, the reward of the believer. And then that which will be turned into permanency, silver, gold, or precious stone. But the judgment of those rewards will be based on 
the motive of my heart, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Why did I do it? Did I do what I did simply for people to say, oh man, isn't he great? Did I do it to bring attention to me? Or did I do it because I love the Lord I can do nothing less than that? Then I'll have reward. We please him by dying to self, by picking up our cross, and by following him daily. Reckoning the old man daily, Romans 6, 11. Every day that I'm committed to that as a soldier. Now we please him because we took an oath of repentance from a life of sin to a life of godliness through the new birth, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When a person is a new creature, all things that pass away, everything becomes new. We took an oath and Jesus took us at our word and he enabled us to make that oath and he has enabled us to fulfill the oath. And now he leaves us our choice whether we will be faithful in our oath. He does not force me. It's a voluntary choice. But we please him also because we have lost our identity as we came to him. Now we are called Christians, Christ-like. Hmm. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Timothy was to commit himself to please his commanding officer as a soldier. This is the application. This is the goal. This is applicable for today, people. Look around to see how the world is handling this. How your neighbors are handling it. How the media is handling it. And chumming the waters so often. Do you have the peace of God? Or are you freaking out? Is this going to distract you so you're not going to be about the priorities of the kingdom? Listen. We know the end from the beginning. Read your manuscript. So you know that you're on the winning side. So you know who you are. And you cannot be distracted. The metaphor of a soldier focuses on commitment of devotion. And it's communicated to Timothy regarding these three things. Timothy was to commit himself to the cost of being a soldier. Timothy was to commit himself to have no distractions as a soldier. And Timothy was to commit himself to the will of his commanding officer as a soldier. I, I can't, I mean, this does 2,000 years old, but man, it, it's like a glove, man. <laughs> it fits for you, it fits for me today. And we need to be serious about the kingdom. Some of you play games. You should quit playing games. Some of you are straddling the fences and you don't know which way you're going to fall. Where you're going to fall on the side of the distraction if you don't have the mind of Christ. Some of you are doing great battle. Keep it up. But let's not walk out of here and say, well, I wish Mary would have been here. That would have been good for her. Definitely John should have been here. 
Hmm. Guess what? They weren't here. But you're here. I'm here. It applies to me. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of submission. And as always, today's message, Be a Devoted Soldier, is available for only $4, and we can send you a copy on CD. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Be a Devoted Soldier, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. It's one thing to believe what you feel and another to practice what God's Word calls true faith. What's the difference? That's our discussion on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com